I appreciate Chris giving me the opportunity to come and talk to you all. I do. Um, it's special to be able to come up here as a parting student just to talk to you. Last night about mm, 12 o'clock, 1 in the morning, I was going over in my head one more time the sermon that I had ready for you to give. And I tore it up and threw it away. I guess that's my prerogative. I hope so. We'll see. I would just rather, instead of giving you a three-point outline, a funny joke, and a gripping conclusion, I would just much rather talk to you. That's why I avoid the pulpit. We're equals. We're brothers and sisters in the Lord. Let's just talk. Being here for the last three years, two and a half years, I've seen some things in my own life, and I've seen some things in your life as the Master's College student body that concern me. In fact, it goes beyond a concern to the point of a burden. It weighs on me every day of my life as I walk these pathways and these hallways. And I want to share that with you. It's something that I wish I would live more. And I desperately try to, but I fail at miserably all the time. We need to do a little heart surgery today. A lot of times we get great teaching from up here, very pro profound exegesis. Today let's do a little heart surgery. Let the Spirit of God, maybe for the first time in a long time, strike you with the honesty of who you are and why you do what you do and what you live for. We here at the Master's College, me, Chris, we live for a lot of things. We do a lot of things. We're very much involved in service here, very much given to ministry. Um, you can tell that by our involvement in the local church and how we're involved in the children's ministries and the youth ministries and the adult ministries and churches. And we're involved here in all the functions that the ASB has. That's a good thing. That is a good thing. We're involved in obedience here. I think if we had to pick a word to describe our Christianity on this campus, it would be obedience, a commitment to obedience. No matter the season, no matter rain, snow, or sunshine, no matter whether we feel like it or not, we are committed to obedience here. That's a good thing, too. We're very much committed to our study, to our preparation for what we feel the Lord has for us in the future and now. We give ourselves to that, wholly preparing ourselves for whatever God has in store for us as individuals. That's a good thing. That's a very good thing. We give ourselves to the rituals of our campus, chapels here, our mandatory church attendance. That's kind of a funny thing, mandatory church attendance. All the other things that are so associated with Christianity at the Master's College, our devotions, our prayer time, 
all the little Christian habits that we have formed. And those too are good things. The sad thing is, is that none of those are enough. None of them. Not even together, combined into one large lump sum, are enough. If the Lord were to allow you or me the privilege and the honor of extending in all those categories to near perfection, as far as a human being can take obedience and service and preparation and attendance and devotion and prayer, if the Lord were to allow us to go as far as we could go in any of those or in all of those, we would find that if that was all we had, it would not be enough. Not at all. We would find at the end of our trek to near perfection that we would still be hollow and empty and void. Men who have so filled themselves but yet are still starving and hungry. Men who have poured into themselves and poured out of themselves so much and yet are still thirsting within. We're missing something. We have so much and we're devoted to so much, but we're missing something. I came to this realization in my own life a while ago, and now it's a daily thing. I realize how much I live a void, empty life. Very much fixed upon externals and things that are significant, but not the most significant. Things that are prominent, but not the most prominent. Things that are very important, but by no means the most important. Things that are high and lofty, but things which are not the apex or the zenith or the pinnacle of my Christian faith, my Christian life. You know what we've forgotten? You know what we willfully choose to ignore? And it has rendered our Christianity joyless, powerless, and lifeless. And we all inside ache for more. Do you know what it is? We've forgotten the greatest commandment of all which is to come first and foremost before anything else. It says in Matthew 22, verses 37 to 40, also said this, says this in Mark 12, verses 28 to 34. Christ, in response to a question by a lawyer of the Pharisees, who had asked him, Teacher, Rabbi, what is the greatest commandment of all? And we're all so picking familiar with this. It's sick. And yet we all so much don't live this. Christ said in response and in reply, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. And then in Mark 
12, he adds, and with all your strength. This is the greatest and foremost commandment. The second is like it. Love thy neighbor as thyself. On these two commandments depend, rest, or hang the entire law and the prophets. My friends, we have majored in the minors and we have minored in the one major. We may obey, we may pray, we may have devotions, we may go to church, but my friends, we do not love God. I stand guilty and so do you. We do not love God. It is the greatest commandment of all and it is the foremost of all, Christ said. Foremost meaning most prominent, most important, leading the first, the head of the list. If up in heaven God had a list of commands in their priority and their preeminence, on the top, supreme, would be loving God. And all else would pale in comparison. All else would flow from that one top command. If you don't do the first, the rest are meaningless and insignificant. Notice what it says in verse 42. All the law and all the prophets hang or depend upon this one command. And it's a byproduct, loving people. All that is within our scripture rests upon one thing. Loving God. It's kind of like, imagine a bookcase upon a wall. Uh, if you've seen those bookshelves that uh, they're kind of track bookshelves and they have mental, metal prongs that stick out of the wall that they rest upon. Imagine one of those. And imagine the bookshelf so burdened with books and articles and magazines. Anything just stacked high. But that bookshelf rests upon one peg. Upon one prong. That shelf is fine and dandy until that prong is either damaged, destroyed, or willfully removed from the wall. And if that happens, that entire bookshelf and all of its contents crash to the ground in a mighty heap, twisted and destroyed and profitless. My friends, our faith and our walk with God is like that too. It hangs in the balance of one thing. My commitment and my priority to love God with all that I am. I may have obedience. I may have service. I may have ministry. I may have study up to my ears. If I don't love God, it is all on the floor in a jumbled heap. And I'm left empty. What does it mean to love God? What did Christ say? He said, do it with all your heart. Do it with all your heart. That's the Greek word cardia. And in Hebrew thought, that was the will. I willfully choose. I commit myself to loving God first. With all that I can. All that I choose. All that I decide. God, I pour it out before you and I say, I love you. 
And whatever else you choose to give me or send me to do, I will from that. I choose to love God. We're to love God with all of our soul. That suitcase. The bowels. The emotions. We here in conservative Christianity, and rightfully so, are very wary of emotionalism. That's good. But we commit just as heinous a sin. Instead of being over-emotional, we cut emotion out of our faith entirely. And that's just as wrong. Because God says to me and He says to you, I want you to love me with all your passion and all your desire, all your longing, all your feeling, everything within you, I want to love me first. That's what life's about. And if you fail at this, then you will fail at the rest. And the rest will be hollow and empty. And you will lack the one thing you need most. Thirdly, he says, love me with all your mind. Dianoia. The intellect. I get so sick of myself sometimes being a Bible major and knowing so much theology, knowing so much Greek knowing so much history behind the books of the Bible, knowing the setting, the date, the author of every book in the Bible. Those things are so empty, though, because I've set my mind on knowing the Bible, and I have not set my mind on loving God. Definitely true. If I love God, I will love the Word. But the Bible is not an end to itself. The study of the Word of God, the study of theology, the study of Greek is not an end to itself. I study. I pour myself into my academics because I love God. Or at least it should be that way. And all too often it's not. My every meditation, my every thinking, my every idea is given to the love of God first. And foremost, and if it is given to anything else, then I'm wrong. And in the end, I will be found wanting. And lastly, it says, love me with all your strength. Love me with all your strength. This is best translated or most often translated in the Old Testament with the word very intense. God, all of that effort that I spend on meaningless things here and there, all of the effort that I spend on obedience and service and ministry, just to obey, just to serve, just to minister, I'm wrong. Because I'm to love you with all of that energy. And yes, if you give to me a ministry, if you give to me a person to love, if you give to me a study, then I will do it as an act of love and devotion for you. Nothing else. Every drop of sweat, every ounce of energy that we can muster must be given to one thing. Loving the Lord our God, our Savior, our Father, and our best of friend. And my friends, we don't do that. 
We don't. I want you to ask yourself some simple questions. Questions that I often have to ask myself and to be completely honest, I always fail. Why do you obey? Why? Don't be afraid to ask and don't be afraid to probe. Don't just assume you do it for the right reason. Why do you obey? Do you obey because, because it's a habit? It's become very, very routine to you, like getting up and brushing your teeth in the morning. You have grown up with it since you were born. In your home and now in your school, it has become a ritual. Just like placing one foot in front of the other and walking. My friends, that is not why you obey. Do you obey for other people? Because the people around you, especially here, that's what's expected of you. We're the master's college. We're expected to obey. That's kind of the code of ethics around here. True. That's not enough. If you obey because of where you are or who's around you, that's not enough. Most often I find this true about myself. I don't obey for either of those two reasons, but I obey for myself. I obey because I expect myself to obey. I'm a Christian. I do youth work. I have a lot of kids who know me. I hope they like me. I don't know. But at least they know me. And they look up to me. And I, I, I find myself kneeling on the floor in prayer to God, repenting, kicking myself in the pants, saying, Chris, you can't do this. Come on, you're a Christian. You're a youth leader. You can't do this. Look at this sin that you're giving into. The entire focus in that prayer, the entire focus in my attempt to obey is myself. I obey for me. I obey because it's conveniently the standard of living that I've decided to impose upon myself. Nothing more and nothing less. And that is sin. That is nothing more than stinking human pride invading sacred Christianity. And it's happened here. Because it's happened here. The only reason that we obey or the only reason that we should obey is because we love God. And I would do nothing I would die first than to defame or defraud or to stain my God's name in any way. That's why we obey. And anything less than that is not good enough. Service is the same way. Why do you serve? If it's for yourself, because you're talented in that area, that's good, but that's not enough. I serve for the same reason, or at least I should. I serve because I love God. 
because he motivates me in my passion for him to be passionate about people. All that we do must be built around and built upon the foundation of the greatest commandment of all. And if it's not, then it's of us, and it's of the spirit of the flesh, and it's sin. In 1985, when uh, LABC, Los Angeles Baptist College, changed its name to the Master's College, I don't know who picked the name for this place, but it's a good name. Paints a picture. Has a beauty about it. The Master's College. I just wish it were true. I think that I am very much about things of the master. I think I am very much about being with the people of the master. But I've missed the whole point. I'm not the masters. It all starts with me as an individual being the masters and being wholly devoted to him. No matter what I'm about, no matter what I do, no matter where he sends me, it all comes back to that. Are we the master's college in external and exteriors? Yes, we are. Are we the master's college in heart and in soul and in mind and in strength? I think not. And my friends, we need to change. Because if you and I are going to leave this place to impact the world for God, it will be built around one thing. Your personal, intimate, and passionate relationship with your king, your master, your everything, and your best friend. That is why we live. That's our purpose. That's why we do what we do. No other reason. Would you bow your heads with me? I want you to think. It's 11.15. Let's not play any music or anything like that to dismiss chapel. I'm just going to pray quickly, and if when you go, go quietly. But before you do, let the Holy Spirit hammer into your heart a heart that may for a long time have been hard and selfish in the most sacred of things, Christianity. Let God expose to you why you do what you do. What lies at the core of your being? What is your motive? What is your purpose? What do you live to do? If God gave you one thing to be fulfilled in your life, if God gave you the choice of having one satisfaction to be completed within your lifetime, would you choose 
loving God. Would you? Is it preeminent? Is it the priority? Ask it. I'll pray and then go as as you need, stay as you need. Oh, Father, I thank you so much for this place and for the time spent here. I thank you for the people and how they are such a blessing, a blessing that I don't think we understand and I think we take for granted too much. But God, please change us. Change us into a people that truly love you. Lord God, may everything we do be done for you and out of devotion to you. No matter where we go, no matter what we do. God, our walk with you, our our time with you, our opportunity to get to know the Almighty God. Oh God, that is so paramount. And yet I ignore it so much. Oh Father, please ignite our hearts anew. May we truly love you with all of our heart all of our soul, all of our mind, and all of our strength. Oh God, we will fail, but push us on in the pursuit. May we indeed pant for you as the deer pants for the water brook. Praise you, Lord, for all you've done. You are so good, so kind, and so faithful. In your precious name, amen.